Welcome to the Gottesdienst crowd, where we foster confessional integrity, liturgical preservation, and preaching that doesn't stink. We believe that the historic liturgy of the divine service is more than mere cobwebs of antiquity, but it is a true treasure of the church to be dusted off and brought down from her attic to be enjoyed. So let's get dusting. Welcome back to the Godestine's Crowd. This is Jason Broughton. Today, uh, we're taking up a topic that we haven't really discussed before. I mean, tangentially, it's come up when we're uh, looking at the day of Pentecost and and the associations with this. Um, but in today's society, there's a lot of talk about debt forgiveness, particularly student loan debt forgiveness. One of the primary images that we are given in the New Testament for our renewed relationship with God because of Christ's atonement is that of debt forgiveness. We pray this in the Lord's Prayer. And so my guest today is going to take us through the Jubilee. What is it? Why do we care about it? And so Tyson Maston, he is the pastor of St. John's Lutheran Church in Plato, Minnesota. Uh, welcome to the Godestine's crowd, Tyson. Thank you, Jason. All right. So what is it? What is the Jubilee? The Jubilee is a uh, uh, commandment of God uh, recorded first in uh, Exodus, but also in uh, Leviticus 25 really lays down a lot of the uh, nuts and bolts of it. Um, if you're following along in your Bible, Leviticus 25 is probably the place where you would go to uh, learn the most about um the Jubilee. And uh, it's really two uh, two celebrations. The first is every seven years, there's a Sabbath rest for the land. And that is you don't uh, sow any, uh, any seed, you, know, you don't harvest, you just let it lay fallow, uh, which uh, up until uh, the invention of uh, <laughs> fertilizers, that was kind of a typical thing for farmers to do, mm -hmm. uh, even in the Middle Ages and uh, beyond, where you just give the land a little rest, uh, get the nitrogen back back up with um, uh, all the green stuff falling back down and decomposing. And mm -hmm. so uh, it's um, a very practical way to improve the crops. Uh, but also it had God's promise there and the symbolism with uh, the seven years. Um and then you have uh, is there any forty nine years? Oh, yep. Is there mm -hmm. uh, on top of that? Is there any connection to, um, you know the the seven years of plenty in Egypt? I can't remember if it's mentioned in Leviticus twenty five, but does any does anywhere else mention, you know, because of your sojourn in Egypt and what happened with Joseph and the years of plenty and then the years of famine? Is 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 there anything connected with Jubilee in that regard? I don't think I've uh, looked that up. That would yeah, be an interesting I, angle. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i not aware, but it just kind of popped in my head like, oh, I wonder if there's, mm -hmm. you know, they're coming out of Egypt. They're at Mount Sinai. They're give, they're being given the law. So maybe there was uh, something to that. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Every 49 oh. years. Yep. Every 49 years or the Sabbath of Sabbaths, that's seven times seven. You'd have a, a redistribution of land to the original owners, and uh, all the Israelite indentured servants were then freed from all of their debts. Um, 
And so you would have a debt forgiveness plan. Mm -hmm. uh, now everybody knew uh, what, uh, how many years were left before the Jubilee. And so there's stipulations in Leviticus 25 that make it clear that everyone would be out of debt uh, in every 45 or 49 years. And so uh, that helped the lenders and the borrowers uh, keep, well, I, I guess it would be uh, in, uh, in bounds. They won't have any extravagant uh, loans uh, at mm -hmm. that time. Um, it was just a reset, uh, you could say. And so that's the basic, or that's the basic uh, mm -hmm. jubilee idea. So it sounds like the the lenders knew it was coming, and so they would be less likely to make some kind of loan or take on extra capital you know, buying someone out for indentured service because they knew there wouldn't be a return on this. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Leviticus 25, uh, it uh, it says that based on how many years until the Jubilee, um, you would see the loans going up or down uh, and mm -hmm. the interest on the loans, uh, or not interest, but um, how many years and how much money they would give for the crops from the okay. landowners. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it would all depend on how many years until the Jubilee happened. Okay. So not only does the Lord require this to happen, or put, puts this forth as a practice for the Israelites, but also then gives instructions on how it's to be done, depending where it falls in that time of the 49 years. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, presumably to what ensure the justness of those interactions? Um, I mean, what is he yeah. protecting? Like when you go through the Ten Commandments, you you have, you know, negatively he's saying don't do this, but there's a there's something that's being protected. What is God protecting in 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 laying down this kind of practice for the Israelites, does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah. It well, I can I can read to you uh, from Leviticus. Uh, it starts in Leviticus twenty five fifteen. Uh, it says, "According to the number of years after the jubilee, you shall buy from your neighbor, and according to the number of years of crops, he shall sell to you. According to the multitude of years, you shall increase its price." And according to the fewer year, number of years, you shall diminish its price. Mm. For he sells to you according to the number of years of the crop. Therefore, you shall not oppress one another, but you shall fear the Lord your God, for I am the Lord your God. Mm. And so if there's fewer years left, you would give uh, the landowner fewer, uh, less money. And if there's a lot of time, uh, a lot of crops that you can harvest from his fields, well, then you would give him more money. Um, so was this kind of like the inflation too? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So is this kind of like, um, like cash rent in ancient Israel? <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 I, I guess it would be, uh, like a crop sharing deal. Yeah. Uh, as we had in the South. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because the, you can't sell your land. Um, Naboth was clear on that too. Uh, mm -hmm. but you can, uh, the, the creditors 
would buy uh, the crops. They would uh, be able to rent the land and take from the crops, but always a portion would go back to the landowners. Okay. So they weren't destitute. Okay. All right. So he's he's protecting, um, uh, it sounds like a number of things, uh, ensuring that the land given to the father stays within those clans, um, uh, uh, hedging, so to speak, against inflation. Um, is there evidence that this happened? Like, did they, did they actually do this? Yeah. Uh, that has been a very big question, uh, pretty much until the 1980s, uh, where, uh, if you go online and search, uh, do a simple Google search or a, uh, or a Wikipedia search, you will find that there's been quite a bit of controversy um, since the uh, historical critical uh, school came to be. And um, most people uh, prior to the 1970s said that this was uh, impossible. It's a utopian dream. And uh, it, it was more of a, this is what we strive for, but it'll never really happen. Mm. Uh, which is curious uh, with what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4. Um, why would he use the uh, year of Jubilee to start his ministry? Why would he use that if it never actually happened? Right. Um, a, a little interesting side note there. But, um, but yes, the general consensus up until the 70s was that it would ruin the economy and no one would lend out money knowing that it would just be uh, forgiven. Yeah. Um, but then the question becomes, would the Lord give a command that would cause harm to us, uh, that would harm and destroy the economy? Uh, would he give us stuff that doesn't work in this world? Mm. Um, and that's that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> Some people, uh, I believe, would say that uh, the Lord... Um, gives commands that just don't work in our mm -hmm. world. And so we, sh we can safely ignore them. Do we, do we see anywhere in the Old Testament this kind of taking place or a record of it? Or, I mean, do it, how do the prophets refer to it? Or, or how to, or, you know, yeah, how do um, later books in the Old Testament refer back to this? Is it, is it a fundamental um, idea or is it, is it just kind of like a, a one-off that you get in the, the Pentateuch and then you never really hear of it again. Um, the the, I mean, the reason I ask especially. is because it oh, yeah. seems like if, if the prophets are referring to it, like you also said with our Lord beginning his uh, ministry at the time of the Jubilee, uh, if, it's, if it's a one-off thing that's you know just in the Pentateuch, you, you wouldn't expect the prophets to really talk about it. But if they do, then it must have been something that was somewhat of a, I mean, I would think it's somewhat of a norm or an expectation at least. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the prophets, they don't explicitly uh, refer to uh, the Jubilee. They never use that word. They talk about uh, proclaiming liberty uh, to the captives. And they talk about uh not oppressing the widows and orphans mm -hmm. uh, or uh, or pressing your neighbors. Uh, some more social justice, I guess we would call it today. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, 
there are echoes like in Nehemiah 5 where uh, the debts are forgiven for all the people that have come back from the uh, captivity. Uh, you also have in Jeremiah 34 uh, echoes of it. But uh, none of the prophets, none of the kings, uh, do we have it recorded that they actually proclaim the year of Jubilee. It's okay. not explicit. Okay. And that's one of the big reasons why many people say that, well, it just never happened. Okay. Mm -hmm. So up until the 1980s, you say the general consensus was no. What, I mean, what, so what happened in the 80s besides Ronald Reagan uh, the, and it, punk rock and <laughs> <laughs> MTV? Yes, as you would say, the greatest decade. Um, <laughs> uh, there was uh, more archaeology uh, taking place, uh, more digs uh, taking place in uh, especially Iraq. Um, there was a one of the archaeologists, his name is Michael Hudson, who has a very interesting backstory. Uh, his father was a Trotskyite, so you oh. can kind of understand a little bit about uh, his interest in it. But uh, he went over uh, with, um, I forget what university, but he did some digs and picked up a bunch of uh, Sumerian and Babylonian, like from the time of Hammurabi, so about uh, 2300 BC all the way up until about 1600 BC, mm -hmm. uh, so right before the Exodus. And uh, they dug up a bunch of these clay tablets, and on the clay tablets, they uh, he noticed that uh, the kings, uh, including Hammurabi, probably the most famous, would declare uh, debt forgiveness, um, freedom or liberty uh, to captives as well, and uh, cancellation of all taxes and debts for uh, the landowners, and also uh, he would give them back their lands if they lost their lands. Mm -hmm. And he did that multiple times throughout his uh, rule, as well as other kings and rulers before and during his reign. So they were contemporaries. But it was during that Bronze Age where you had a, a fairly common, it seems. I mean, we've only done so many digs there, and there's a lot more under that sand. But uh, uh, from what we've discovered so far, just since the 70s, it seems like it was pretty common for kings to um, declare their subjects, their subjects, not the foreigners, not the merchants, but their subjects that have uh, land, um, that they would repeal their debts, uh, forgive their debts, and also uh, give them back their land and give them their freedom for people who were sold into slavery if they were um, uh, if they were. Their, his citizens, his nation, then they would be uh, freed. Now, of course, the foreign slaves, they would still remain slaves, but, mm -hmm. but um, the ones that were attached to the king that uh, were of his nation, they were freed from their uh, debt slavery as well, yeah. as well as uh, their other debts. So, but, um, I mean, is there any um, examples in more, I, I suppose, modern times, like in the... Middle Ages or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do have uh, the strongest argument, I would say, is the one that precedes uh, the, biblical, uh, the biblical command for the uh, Jubilee, uh, just to show that it was, uh, it was feasible 
in that time. But we also have uh, reports of uh, the Egyptians uh, forgiving debts and freeing mm -hmm. slaves in their said festival, as well as um, the Greeks. Uh, it seems like every time a, a new tyrant, a new popular ruler uh, uh, took power, he would also uh, forgive the debts and um, uh, give people lands that supported him. Um, also in early um, early Rome, you had that as well with some of the tyrants there. Um, after that, I have not done too much <laughs> uh, too much research in like the Middle Ages. Um, I did find an interesting note though that um, when George Handel uh, gave his first performance of Handel's Messiah in uh, Ireland in Dublin, that was in 1742. Uh, he used all the proceeds, all of the people's uh, affairs were used to free debtors from prison, which is kind of interesting to hear. But uh, yeah. Handel's Messiah uh, went to free uh, actual debt from people. <laughs> so what? Um, so some say yes in a limited fashion. Um, do others say yes completely? Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, especially during the time of the judges, where everything seems to be uh, kind of overlapping. Um, and you have some judges in the south, some judges in the north working, uh, overlapping. Uh, you have uh, ideas that, well, when you had a good judge, perhaps then, just like if you had a good king in the time of the kings, uh, they would be more faithful to scripture. Uh, and so that's when... Uh, that's when they would have the seven-year Sabbath for the fields and also uh, perhaps the Jubilee. Uh, it would be hard to do the entire uh, nation of Israel, all 12 tribes, um, during the time of the judges since they weren't really united until the time of the kings. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do have, uh, we, we can make um, educated guesses that yes, they would have. Um, it is an argument from silence, but it's an argument from silence both ways. Um, sure. now, so is there any evidence that this was done and then there was a total collapse of the society? No, we don't have any uh, examples of uh, debt forgiveness that, that then leads to a total collapse of society. It seems to be uh, to have been practiced uh when kings, new kings would come in or right before the king went to a war okay. in other civilizations. Um, with the Bible, it uh, ties it to scripture rather than to a person. Mm -hmm. And so everybody was aware that this just happens. Mm -hmm. uh, and that goes with, um, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, uh, Moses directs that the, the law, the entire Torah, be read aloud publicly every seven years, which would yeah. be every Sabbath year. And um, so you better believe it that when that was done, such as when the King Josiah rediscovered the law, uh, you better bet that uh, all those people were listening <laughs> uh, when it came to Leviticus chapter 25. And when they heard that, oh, you're free, your debts are forgiven, I'm sure they perked up when they heard that. Yeah. So it it is uh it, it's becoming more and more 
I guess, available to people to say that this did happen. It did not result in catastrophic economic failure or civilizational failure. Um, and yet, correct. Yeah, and yet you've you you, you still have the argument today that um, you know we, we couldn't do that because that would mean total collapse of the economy, so on and so forth. Yeah, um, it, it's it's hard to let go of that. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to forgive. Yeah, especially when it's your own stuff. Um, what people owe you. Um, it's it's definitely a spiritual problem as well as just a greed problem. Okay. So then Jesus comes on the scene at the time of the Jubilees and he's starting like a a like almost a perpetual year of the Lord's favor in Jubilee. Um that he is initiating the debt forgiveness uh, not only for physical things but also for spiritual debts to God himself. Um, are there, is there evidence during Jesus's time or just after where the, um, the teachers of Israel, the rabbis, the interpreters of the law are, are talking about this as well? Yes, this was familiar to everyone, especially as I mentioned in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus comes to his hometown and he takes the scroll of Isaiah and reads uh, from Isaiah 61 that uh, his job is to set at liberty or or to set uh, free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, uh, the jubilee of the Lord. And uh, the people of Jesus' day, well, they did know about that. It was on their minds. In fact, we have record in the Talmud uh, of Rab- Rabbi Hillel, who died at 10 AD, so just a few years, well, about 20 years before Jesus says this, and he issues uh, a um, kind of like a papal bull. They called it the prose bull, uh, that said that if you if you sign the sheet of paper that you would not, you, you waived your right to claim the Jubilee year to forgive your sins. And that, according to the Talmud, stopped the, um, the bickering back and forth and uh, fi- trying to find a loophole of how they, uh, how they as Jews could collect the debts, uh, even though it was the year of Jubilee. And so mm-hmm. that happened 20 years before where, um, uh, before Jesus said this. And so people did know about this because they were still talking about it uh, in Jesus' day. Um, we also have uh, reference from um, the Middle Ages, the 13th century, that uh, one of the main teachers, Mamedes, I believe his name is, uh, who said that all Jews would still have to forgive debts on the Jubilee if Rabbi Hillel did not uh, uh, proclaim that prose bull, that uh, proclamation saying that you can waive your right to uh, the Jubilee. And so uh, we definitely have evidence from the time of Jesus that they knew what he was talking about outside the scripture because it was still uh, being argued. Mm-hmm. So is this one of the instances that our Lord is you know, taking on you know, with the principal men of the people? That you know th- they pay more attention to the traditions of men than to the word of God. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, always trying to find the loophole, always trying to seem more righteous than God. Yes, I would say uh, he is definitely going against uh, the Pharisees who uh, who did seems to be the ones really um, proclaiming this, um, that we should uh, follow the Jubilee, that we should have these um, times of forgiveness, whereas the Sadducees, not so much being people in power and uh, authority and also the more rich. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Jesus points out uh, for the Sadducees that they uh, should forgive and then also to the Pharisees that you can go a little too far. Yeah. Okay, so we have really great evidence that it happened. It was on the minds of all the people. Um, we don't have any evidence that there was a complete societal and economic collapse when it did happen. Um, we don't observe this now. I, I, I mean, do we have any anything like that? I mean, are, are our bankruptcy laws a, a form of this or or not? And... Um, and why should we care about trying to get this back if if this was so important to God that he put it forward in you know the Pentateuch and uh, is the major illustration for our restored relationship with him um, you know what why should we not uh, seek to you know return to some of this <laughs> uh we actually have tried. Um, if you recall, in 1999, uh, the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope at that time uh, proclaimed a, a year of jubilee for the year of 2000, where it was a, a big movement to have the uh, richer nations uh, forgive all the debts of the third world nations. Mm -hmm. um, and... I think that's probably the first time that you've heard of that <laughs> yeah. since 1999. It didn't really go anywhere. Uh, but yes, we, we do have the bankruptcy laws, uh, I would say, for this reason, uh, to help protect uh, people from uh, these situations so you don't lose the farm, so uh, your family is cared for. Uh, we, do, we do still care for people in this way. Um, of course, you can argue that. Uh, that can be abused too. Uh, but I'm sure that there were instances in uh, the Old Testament and Jesus' day where people were abusing the uh, Jubilee as well. Uh, you can always abuse the good laws of God. Uh, but uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive for them either. Um, I mean, I, I seem to remember also like during uh, the Great Depression, the Dust Bowl, you had these like penny sales um where ah, yes. where uh yep. you know their indebtedness to the bank and so there would have been a, a farm sale and then all the the people would come and they'd only like bid a penny on these things and no one else would bid on everything and then they'd sell it back for pennies to the to the original um owner of them yes yep all the neighbors would get together and make sure that uh, the farm stayed in the family after the bank took it. And if any outsider came and tried to bid it up, well, he, he was taken and, uh, given the talking to, I, I was told, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he didn't bid again. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, a, a very Christian thing to do uh, to forgive uh, their debts, which um, got a funny little story. When I did uh, start looking into this, I, I brought it up at a Bible study and uh, asked asked all the people there, well, uh, had you ever heard of the Jubilee? And most of them said no. And then I started explaining what it was. And uh, one of them, an elderly lady, um, not LCMS Lutheran, ELCA actually, mm. but she uh, she was very vehement that that would be God breaking the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. Mm. And by declaring bankruptcy, by not paying back your debts, you were stealing from your neighbor. And so you must, uh, she, she pitted the seventh commandment against this commandment of uh, the Jubilee, of forgiving uh, the debts, mm -hmm. uh, which I found kind of fascinating. And thankfully, I didn't have to uh, address it too much because one of the other members of the Bible study quoted uh, Matthew, uh, where Jesus teaches them to pray and forgive us our debts. Mm -hmm. And uh, he pointed out that it's debts and not sins there. Right. And if you can forgive a debt, if you can forgive a physical uh, debt, well, you should be able to uh, uh, you should be able to uh, uh, forgive a spiritual debt as well, um, and even more vice versa. If you can forgive someone sinning against you, something that is not removed except for the blood of Jesus, um, you definitely should be able to forgive their physical debts to you. Yeah. And you're not saying that it, it couldn't be the case that someone takes advantage and, you know, tries to pit the Jubilee against the seventh commandment and, and actually try to one up their neighbor in some way. But it's just as much the case that it can be, can, can be done the, in the opposite. And so these two things are kept in tension, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's the Christian life. <laughs> uh, exactly. We always are trying to find ways to uh, go around the Word of God. And in the end, we, we do have to just say amen, even though I don't understand it all. Uh, I believe that God's way is the best way. Mm -hmm. All right, so why should we in 2023, almost 2024, care about, besides the fact that it's the Word of God, um, why, why should we try to restore this? Why should we care about um, observing this? Well, in a way, it's, it's um, to read it and to see that uh, it can be done is uh, beneficial for all Christians. Kind of like, uh, why do we read the lives of the saints, uh, the lives of the martyrs? Well, to see that it can be done and to give us a good thing to strive for. Um, mm. That's why... Uh, that's why we hold it up. Um, it also is a good way for us to be reminded of how we do uh, look at our possessions in this world, our, um, our money in this world. Uh, teaches us a good way to look at stewardship, that in the end it is all God's. Uh, just as in the Old Testament, he owned all the land, and that's why the Israelites could not sell the land. It was God's land, and he gave it to them. Right. And so they cannot just do what they want with it, but they must uh, tend to it. Uh, we also, um, it's that wonderful hymn that uh, a lot of churches have for their um, offer, offering, and uh, we give thee but thine own oh, uh, yeah. in all the gifts we bring. Um, it teaches us good stewardship. Uh, so that we we know that yes, when people do owe us money, well, 
it's something that the moth can destroy and uh, we shouldn't put our trust in it. Um, it's, it teaches us to give back to God and know that uh, when we require of others, well, it's, um, it's really a small thing in the grand scheme of things uh, when we look towards the mercy of God and what he has forgiven us. Uh, should we not then forgive others? Look at how great of a debt we have versus what uh, other people owe us. Um, so it's a good teaching there. And we can probably call Heath Curtis to tell us more about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also but also on a more political level, uh, on a more national level, it teaches us uh, not to trust in a, uh, a uh, economic theory or an economic system. Uh, mm. We don't raise anything above uh, the word of God. And to, to say that we must have a certain economic theory or an uh, economic system in place in order to be pleasing to God, uh, that is not biblical. Uh, the Bible doesn't have any economic system that uh, is laid down and says that we must follow uh, this uh, economic philosopher. Um, and so, yes, capitalism is not commanded uh, in Scripture. It's mm. also not forbidden, but it's definitely not commanded. And so we can find other economic systems, uh, which we have a plethora of you know, just looking through history uh, to see what works for our time, uh, what works for uh, the peop our neighbors. Um, mm. Some economic systems seem to work better in some places than others, with some people than other people. And so we have the freedom uh, to um, use whatever economic system or whatever economic policies that uh, benefit the most amount of people, I would say. Yeah. So uh, in this way, it, I mean, it does kind of guard against uh, what jealousy and envy um, and, and, and really kind of like generational pointing fingers, doesn't it? That, you know, look, you did this and, and now we're suffering because of that. At a certain point, every generation is going to benefit from, because if it's every 50 years and a generation is about 40 years, every generation is going to benefit from this year of Jubilee. Yes, it seems to have a overall beneficial uh, impact on uh, uh, all peoples. Um, let's see. I'm trying to phrase it right here. Um, starting over is kind of what uh, uh, is one of those things that seems to be the basis of uh, our United States of America, too. A lot of our ancestors uh, were indentured servants that came to America. Uh, they mm. were starting with a clean slate. Um, and I would say, historically, when you forgive uh, debts, when you uh, free people from their obligations, that uh, overall it's a beneficial thing. And uh, same with bankruptcy laws here. Uh, it's good to uh, keep the family farm, even though uh, someone may have made a mistake and uh, deserved to um, uh, lose the farm, and yet we uh, we don't uh, hand that down to the next generation or the generations after. Um, just as we don't punish 
the children for the sins of the fathers. Uh, we, uh, we should not be um, indebting people and their children uh, for lifetimes. Um, I think everyone can kind of see that when they burn the mortgage, that that is a freeing thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's a great celebration. That's a good thing when you pay off all of your medical bills. It's a great thing when you pay off uh, your debt. And uh, it's a great thing mostly for your children so that you actually have something to pass down to your children and grandchildren, which is a blessing from the Lord, he says. Yeah. So um, so th- this just has a larger view than immediate economic benefit. It has, it has a view of how the people exist long-term until the Lord comes again. Correct. It's yeah. teaching us how... Uh, Jesus works. How um, we know that it's coming. We know that the uh, the new kingdom is coming. We know that uh, the forgiveness uh, is going to be in full when we rise again in our new bodies. And um, by practicing uh, forgiving others, even if it's forced upon us by the law of the land, uh, it is a good thing for our bodies and for our minds to get into the ma- that mindset that uh, we should forgive others, that we should look forward to this time where everyone is free with no debts, no obligations uh, to their uh, creditors. So um, so what is easier to do? You know, so Jesus asked this question of you know, the scribes and the Pharisees uh, when he forgives the sins of the, uh, the, the paralytic. You know, what's easier to do, to say your sins are forgiven or to say arise and walk? Um, for, I mean, I think we all know that the weightier thing is to actually forgive and, and release from sin, from eternal consequences. But um, so in that sense, if, if forgiving um, physical debts in this life is the less weighty, um, and we're asked to be faithful in a little so that then we can be given much to be faithful in. Um, is this also kind of that, that training ground to, to, to get us to learn how to do something that is less weighty so that we can move on to the more weighty things? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially, well, it shows you your God. If your God is uh, the the gods of this world, the uh, mammon of this world, uh, then it's really hard to let go. Really hard to let go of your uh, money, of your reputation, <laughs> of uh, of the physical things that give you joy in this world. Uh, but once you learn to do that, it becomes much easier than to see uh, from God's perspective of what is lasting, uh, what is the forgiveness of sins, and how uh, that is what we should be striving for. Uh, It gives you a different perspective. Um, It's kind of like fasting. (laughs) It shows you your true need. um, And the more that you give up here in life, uh, the more you see your true need in the life to come. All right. So, I mean, I don't have any um, confidence that say the, the the modern West is going to start implementing this uh, in what way could this be practiced locally um, 
or individually, uh, how could we begin to uh, make this kind of jubilee forgiveness a part of how we Christians practice life in this world that that might have a like a a, a benefit to those all around us? Well, I would say the first part or the first way that we could do this is starting in our families. Um, if you've ever given, uh, one of the big things that uh, people say not to do is give a loan to someone that you like. <laughs> and uh, I would say that's just the opposite. Uh, you should give loans. If someone in, in your family is in need, uh, you shouldn't make them go to the bank. Uh, you shouldn't make them, if you are capable, uh, do help your family out. Um, see the need that arises in your own family and show, and through your family, uh, then show others uh, how they can interact with, um, with each other. Uh, but it all, it all has to start with the family, uh, how you treat your family, how you treat your children, how you treat your parents. Um, if you're willing to give uh, loans or just give grants, money uh, to your children and be generous that way, uh, that helps the younger generation and also also teaches you what's more important, uh, people or uh, getting what's yours, what is yours back. Mm. Um, you see this a lot with um, a lot of the immigrants I've I've noticed, where they uh, will uh, they won't go to the banks, but they will do uh, loans to each other or just uh, pool it and make it a a, a family investment. And I believe we had that in the past as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, yeah, it starts in the family. And then once the family uh, shows that, well, the community then becomes more generous too. Uh, but it all always has to start with uh, your own, um, how you treat your own family, who you love. And people will see that and mm -hmm. they'll respond uh, in kind with that. Yeah, one of the things that... Um I mean, if anyone's familiar with all the Dave Ramsey stuff, uh, Dave Ramsey always says, don't loan to family members because it changes your relationship with them, um, which I, I, I understand. Um, and he says, look, if you have the funds, then just give it to them. Um, and it sounds like you're kind of advocating yeah, a similar that's thing. That's pretty good, Dave. Yeah. That uh, yep. you don't yep. force them to uh, go to the bank. Do we love our families? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Correct. Uh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, any 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 final thoughts? Any anything that we missed that you wanted to make sure to bring up about um, the jubilee and our hopefully regaining some of this mindset that the Lord has put down for us in the scriptures. Um. Yeah. To summarize, uh, I don't have too much for a summary. I suppose. Um, besides what. We, uh, why should we care about this? And that's mm -hmm. because it's the Word of God, and uh, it, it does teach us. Uh, the Word of God is good for teaching us uh, not just what to think, but also what to do uh, from the mouth to the, to the action. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it teaches us how we should live in our own lives and maybe what to strive for and, and what to strive for. Uh, for our communities and ultimately nation and world, uh, how we should strive to make this world a more forgiving, uh, loving place, and uh, to treat money in the um, 
money and mammon in the proper sense, that uh, we should not be holding up money and mammon as the end-all, be-all, mm-hmm. uh, as our society seems to have it. Uh, we, we should not serve money, but money should serve us, um, which is something that we definitely need to hear nowadays. Sure, sure. I mean, in a sense, we, we are all captives to that idol, aren't we? We're all indentured servants. Yes, to the that. love of money is. <laughs> oh yeah, the love of money is uh, the root of all evil. Yeah. Yes, and uh, we need to learn how to um, bridle that uh, to uh, make it so that it does not rule over us. Well, very good, Tyson. Thank you for your time uh, and for taking us through this, um, especially in our day when when things are being bandied about about doing this kind of debt relief or that kind and the the sides harden it's nice to hear wisdom from above at least to help um, bring us back from the edge and from from our rage and and begin to think about things the way god would have us think about them so thanks for your time and and your insight my pleasure thank you jason 